Lord, stand with us this morning as we open in worship. This is a favorite song. You'll know it. Sing along with us this morning. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, and I see the stars, and I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display, then sings my soul, my Savior. I keep looking around for Pastor Mike, and he's not here this morning. Hey, good he'll, morning, he'll, Sunset he'll, Hills. He'll be here after the next song. He'll be here after the <laughs> next song. All right. It's good to see you this morning. Are you glad to be here this morning in the house of the Lord? Say amen if you are. Amen. Yeah, all right. It's a good hearty amen. Thank you so much for being here on this rainy Sunday. I'm glad to see each and every one of you. You're looking good. These guys up here are looking good. How y'all stand up a minute? All, all you guys stand up. There you go. Now stay standing for a little while, all right? Because everybody else is standing. All right? No, 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 no. Stand up for me. There we go. I'm glad to see you. If this is your first time being Sunset Hills, we're happy that you made your way to come this place to worship with us we would love to know who you are there's a couple of ways you can do that by texting up here that number that's on the screen 
Or if you, as you came in, if you didn't do so already, there's a welcome kiosk out there in the foyer that uh, has the old-fashioned way of pencil and paper that we would just love to get your name and address and get some information about you so we can just say hey and follow up if there's any needs that we can do for you or any prayer requests that you have. We'll be happy to do it. So glad to see you here. Let's continue to worship. I, I love that old song. Thanks for kind of, you kind of, did uh, you really speeded that how great thou art up right <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, that was really uplifting and good let's see I know the rest of the worship is going to be great as we all listen as we all participate as we all sing as we all praise our heavenly father let's continue Yes, the world will bow down and say you are God. Every man will bow down and say you are king. So let's start right.
we would just take a, a few moments, God, just to refocus on the reason that we've gathered here. God, it's not to fellowship with one another, although, God, that's just an amazing bonus that you give us, that God is to fellowship with you. So, God, this morning as we listen to your preach word, God, it speak, let it speak to our heart. God, you, you've said that your word is, is like a two-edged sword. God, let it divide this morning the parts of our flesh that, God, we need to lay down parts of your spirit that we need to embrace. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your word that's alive. Lord, let it, let it be alive in our hearts, in our lives, in everything that we do. We love you. Your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So I'm curious about something this morning, and I'm not so sure that you actually can settle my curiosity or not. In fact, about the only way you could would be if you stayed at home all week and you did not come in contact with anyone else, and the first time you were out of the house uh, was this morning, you, then you might be able to do it, but that would be about the only way that you could settle my curiosity, and I'm going to venture to say that probably the biggest majority of you have been out of the uh, house more than just uh, t this morning, so the rest of you uh, can't give me a realistic uh, answer to satisfy my inquisitive mind. So I want to know, uh, you want to know what I'm curious about? Yeah, there's three of you that do. I'm curious as to how many personal encounters that you've had this week. How many people, either in person or by telephone or by maybe text or social media, possibly in your home, at your work, on and on it goes, how many personal encounters have you had over the past seven or eight days? I have to admit, I can't remember or begin to count how many I've had, even if I go back and look over my, my calendar this past week, it's really difficult to, to kind of get a, a, a sense of exactly how many people that I have had an encounter with. I, I can't remember. Except for you people who haven't been out since last week, I'm going to say that most of you are just like me. You don't know how many personal encounters that you've experienced. But I'm pretty sure that if you encountered someone with a particularly bad attitude, you would probably be able to recall that encounter. It's just something about when a person has a, a bad attitude that we remember what happened with them, our, our interaction with them. So did you? If you had, if an, if you had an experience with someone that had a bad attitude, would you please raise your hand? Any? There's a bunch, actually, that have done that. Okay, well, let's check this out. If you had an experience with someone that particularly had a great attitude, I'm talking about someone that had such a great attitude that you left that encounter thinking, wow, that person had a great attitude, 
Then I want you to raise your hand. Oh, my goodness, you surprised me. Because I expected the number to be the other way around, and you just blown my sermon. <laughs> I'm kind of lost now. How do I deal with this? <laughs> I'm going to learn not to ask you questions. <laughs> I'm glad you had great encounters. It, bad attitudes or negative attitudes stand out, and my notes say, what I wrote down say, stand out much greater than the great attitudes. But you have proved me wrong here. Actually, I don't think my premise is all that wrong. I think actually bad attitudes have much more effect on us than what great attitudes do. I think we are affected by them much greater. I ran into someone with a bad attitude this week, an old sourpuss. Seemed mad at just about everyone. His attitude was so bad, you could tell it was ruining his whole day. He wasn't pleasant to be around, and really, he didn't want to be around anyone himself. You want to know about this guy? You want to know who it was? It was me. Just be quiet. <laughs> it was me. Where's Kelly? He's disappeared. I'm striking out is what I'm doing. I was actually going to ask Kelly if he, I'm glad he's probably glad he's not in here. I was going to ask Kelly to come up and I was going to say, Kelly, have you ever known me to have a bad attitude? I was going to let him be honest. He missed his opportunity. I had a bad attitude. I had such a bad attitude, I didn't want to be around myself. That's pretty bad. It got to a point that it's like, are you going to stay in this bad attitude or are you going to change some things? I finally got to the point, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go home. And I did. And when I got home, I still had a bit of a bad attitude. I started changing it after a little while, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. You see, there are two types of attitudes. I'm going to talk to you this morning about attitudes, and I'm, I'm drawing a lot of uh, some of the things, some of the points from my sermon from a great pastor who has uh, spoken on this. His name is Pastor Jimmy Evans, and I enjoy listening to him. And, and he makes some really good points along with some other pastors and sayings that I have put, incorporated in my message this morning. There are really two types of attitudes. I mean, there's a lot more, but two really stand out. There's a bad attitude and there's a good attitude. It's real easy in life of today to develop a bad attitude. And those, uh, there are many things that we can get frustrated at. Now, I've got some things that really will set me off in no time. You know, I, and, and if I allow it, well, it affects my attitude. If I allow it to get, start getting the best of me, it can start ruining my whole day. It gets to me. I'm not going to share with you what they are because I really don't want you to start pushing buttons to see if it exists or not. But some of them are internal, meaning I get a bad attitude from something that I do myself. 
And most of those, however, are bad attitudes that if I'm not careful, I will allow external forces, what other people or circumstances do, to help me develop my bad attitude. I'm going to say something that seems, seems contradictory to what I just said in a few minutes, so I hope you stay with me. If we're not careful, our attitudes or our bad attitudes can get the best of us. And if we're not careful, a bad attitude interferes with our happiness. But greater than that, it interferes with our Christian testimony. And likewise, on the other side of that, a positive attitude really can put a smile on someone else's face. It's quite possible that you having a good attitude and interaction with someone brings a smile. Maybe let's test it again. Those of you who said that you ran into someone who had a, a, very, a great attitude, did, did it affect you? Raise your hand if it did. All right. So there you go. What other people do really affects us. Our attitude is a powerful force in our lives. It can either build you up or your attitude can tear you down. Attitudes have the ability to make or break every single day of your life. Our attitude dictates our response to the present and really can determine the quality of our future. It determines how you relate to people. Your attitude really determines, it affects the interaction with your spouse, with your children, with co-workers, even those that you can't recall that you had personal encounters with this past week, especially if you were the one who displayed a bad attitude. Your attitude has the ability to be your friend or it can be your foe. I imagine all of you have heard stories about Thomas Edison. John Maxwell writes in his book, The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. It tells about Edison. His name, he was named, Thomas Edison that is, Life Magazine's Man of the Millennium. It's said that he invented 1,093 items and held patents on more than, more than any other person in the world. He was granted at least one patent per year, watch this, for 65 consecutive years. Many people credit his success to being a genius, but his greatest attributes may have been uh, his fortune, fortune, his fortitude, and his positive attitude. It took him approximately, watch this, remember how many patents he had? took him approximately 10,000 tries to find the right materials to develop the incandescent light bulb. 10,000 tries. Probably the most notable display of Edison's positive attitude can be seen in the way that he approached a tragedy that occurred when he was in his late 60s. He had a lab, and he enjoyed working in this lab. It was in West Orange, New Jersey, and it was, it was world famous, the story goes on to say. He called it the 14-building complex, his invention factory. His main building was massive, 
greater than three football fields in size. And from that base of operations, he and his staff conceived inventions and developed prototypes, uh, manufactured products, and shipped them to customers. It became a model for modern research and manufacturing. Edison loved this place. It was said that he often would spend nights there sleeping on the lab tables. He would spend as much time as he possibly could at his lab. But on a December day in 1914, his beloved lab caught fire. He stood outside and watched it burn. And he is reported to have said this, Kids, go get your mother. She'll never see another fire like this one. It's a pretty good attitude, is it not? Most people would have been crushed, not Edison. He goes on to say, I am 67, he stated about the tragedy, but not too old to make a fresh start. I've been through a lot of things like this. He rebuilt the lab. Kept it, he kept working for another 17 years. He goes on to say, I am long on ideas, but short on time. He commented, I expect to live to be about 100. Now, that's a great attitude to have. Maxwell said this about the power of attitude. Listen to this. It's the advanced man of our true selves. Its roots are inward, but its fruits are outward. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. It is more honest and more consistent than our works. It is the thing that draws people to us or repels them. It is never content unless it's expressed. Let me read that one again. It is never content unless it's expressed, until it's expressed. It is the librarian of our past. It is the speaker of our present. And it is the prophet of our future. Winston Churchill says this, Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. I mean, pretty good sayings about attitude when you stop and think about it. And there are several definitions to the word attitude. I chose a couple that will help frame the application from the world's perspective of this sermon. It's not the one I want to dwell on, but we just get an understanding of the word attitude. According to dictionary.com, it's defined as manner, disposition, feeling, position, etc. with regard to a person or a thing, tendency or orientation, especially of the mind. What this is saying for the most part is that part of my behavior is determined about how I am thinking or feeling about someone or something. Here, here's another one. Position or posture of the body appropriate to or expressive of an action, emotion, etc. I have personally been plagued with a particular problem that has gotten me into a lot of situations that I wish I didn't remember because of this definition right here. Not so much my body posture, although that's a part of it. But when I stop and consider this definition, when it really comes out to where I've got attitude, 
It is expressed, don't say amen, in my face. It shows rather quickly if I like something or if I don't like something. I have been caught in that many times, and I've actually had some people who have had guts enough to say, oh, you already got a bad attitude about it. I hadn't said anything. Well, your face shows it off. Anybody else have that problem? I don't have poker faces like some of you people do. Some of you people, you never show any expression. That's not necessarily a bad quality to have compared to the other side of that. These are good definitions, but I actually think there's a better definition than what we see from dictionary.com. One that gives a better and more comprehensive definition of attitude. It's actually found in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. King Solomon wrote this. He said, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your attitude, my attitude, is actually a product of our thoughts, which is a product of what is in our heart. So if you want to master your attitude, the place to start with mastering your attitude is with your heart. The way you choose to respond is a reflection of your thoughts. And by changing your thoughts, you can also change your attitudinal actions and your life. If you master your attitude, it goes a long way in affecting your life and the influence that you have on others. Our attitudes also help us determine how people will interact with us in both positive and negative ways. One thing I've noticed uh, about attitudes through the years is quite often you'll see a family who have attitude. They all seem to have the same attitude. I don't know if one is causing the other or what, but it, it just seems to be that you see one attitude uh, of one and it permeates most of the other family members of the same family. The attitude, that a child, uh, the attitude that a child has can be traced back to the type of attitude that his parents have. In some cases, it can be traced all the way back to the grandparents. It's generational. I've also noticed that businesses have attitudes. Attitudes often reflect the attitude of the CEO or the manager of a local store. When I think about a business that has a great attitude, I think of, that's exactly right, Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. You almost hear that word, that phrase, every time you go to Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. A lot of businesses could learn from Chick-fil-A. I say another one is Apple Computer. Apple does a great job of trying to instill positive attitude in their employees. Our culture is another place that we find attitude. Not necessarily good attitude. How many more stories that are of the worst nature do you hear on the news than you hear of good? Most of the time it's 
the whole broadcast except for the last very last little story that they try to put in there to try to offset makes you feel good and they need to do something after all the bad news that they've just delivered the bible actually cautions us about having the kind of attitude that the world has here's what the apostle paul says in romans chapter 12 verse 2 do not conform to the pattern of this world let me put another word in there do not conform to the attitude of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in other words renew your thoughts then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing perfect will the world our culture has an attitude that we should avoid not conform to don't conform to the pattern or attitude of this world if you notice that Paul is using a play on words in verse between conform and transform don't conform but transform it's really saying that you've got some work to do on your mind I'll go on to say you've got some work to do on your heart start transforming your mind rather than conforming your mind at one time you did conform to it that's the way you used to be but something happened in your life and Paul is saying as he's writing to the church he's saying there has been a change and that change is Jesus and by what has happened to you you have been transformed now bring your mind in alignment with what's happened in your life through Jesus if your habits of thought aren't like Jesus then they probably reflect more like the world transform your mental thoughts let me give you some general truths about attitude your attitude really reveals the real you you want to know what the real you looks like it's revealed in your attitude how important is it it's very important your attitude is more important than facts or circumstances or what others say it's more important than your past it's more important than your education and more important than whatever money you have your attitude is really one of the most important one of the greatest assets that you could have and understand that your attitude is much d deeper than just a few thoughts that you might think or not think your attitude really comes from the very core of who you are it represents your disposition it represents your outlook it actually represents your very character jesus says it this way luke chapter 6 45 a good person produces good things from the treasury where of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart what you say flows from what is in your heart you know part of the problem of why it is we're having such a hard time with all this evil that's taking place in society is because we're not really ever getting to what the real problem is 
where evil comes from. We think that we can make some laws to prevent people from doing something or this or that. We think that we can um, legislate people into doing the right thing. We think we can force people by rules, but we never address where the real problem is. And that's what exists in people's hearts. Jesus is saying, what's in your heart is going to flow out. Let me illustrate it this way. Again, I was going to have Kelly do this. Is he in here yet? I don't know where he is at. Take this bottle here. When I shake it, water comes out, right? Why did the water spill out? Because I took the cap off? Not really. Because I shook it? Why is the floor wet? Because of gravity? None of those things. The real reason that the water came out was because the bottle was filled with water. It's an illustration of what's inside comes out and gets all over you. Jesus is teaching. Also in Matthew 15, 18 through 20. But the words you speak come from the heart. And watch what he says about this. That's what defiles you. For from the heart comes those evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Your attitudes... become your actions or reactions. You see, much louder than words you speak, your attitude keeps telling people what you're really like. I find this truth reveals the real me. And it's quite sobering when I think about it. When I have a negative, nasty, critical attitude... That is the real me. And when you have one, that's the real you coming out because we allow that to exist in our hearts. Now understand this. We don't have a bad attitude just because we have a bad day. All that bad day does is shake out what's inside that's where the bad attitude comes from and that leads me to the next thing about attitude and some of you have a hard time with this I choose which attitude I have I am controlled I am in control of my choice regarding attitude what I've discovered is that with all the external sources of stimuli, and there's so much negativity and incivility, I can't do much, if anything, to change how people act. But what I can do, and it's within my choice to do so, is determine what type of attitude I'm going to have toward those people 
and toward myself. How will I see how I see things that come up in life? How I deal with them? Whether you have a good attitude or a bad attitude, it is your choice and under your control. No one else. I'm wondering who I'm preaching to right now. No one else has the power to choose for you or force you to have the type of attitude that you have. Chuck Swindoll writes in Strengthening Your Grip, this may shock you, but I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. It is more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my successes or failures, fame or pain, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude is a single string that keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or salts my hope. When my attitudes are right, there is no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. Someone else said it this way, I am in charge of how I feel, and today I'm choosing happiness. You have the ability to control your thoughts. Victory and defeat begins in your mind, and all the other things are just external things that you have the ability to overcome. You cannot control what happens in your life. But you can always control how you will respond to it. The way you choose to respond becomes a reflection of your thoughts. And by changing your thoughts, you change your attitude in your life. Here's another thing about attitude, and it goes right along with the last one. People or circumstances do not cause my attitude. Let that one sink in for a minute. Because some of you probably would disagree with that. I know it's easy to think that people or circumstances can cause us to have a bad attitude or even a good attitude. If I could change my circumstances, maybe you're thinking I could get a better attitude. If I had more money, if I won the lottery, I'd have a better attitude. Ask some of those people, not that I've ever asked any of them. Because I'd first ask them, were you going to give me money to the church? That'd be the first question I'd ask That was supposed to be a joke. Come on, folks. (laughs) But ask them, how did it really change your life? Certain people just get their act together, start treating me better, then quit bothering me, then I'd have a different attitude. Really? Remember the story of Joseph, how his brothers did all those terrible things to him? They were going to kill him and would have had it not been for Reuben. Instead, they threw him into a, a well, planning to leave him. They would eventually change their minds and decided instead to take the opportunity to sell him into slavery. The story goes on and on, and eventually you see Joseph's attitude he had, uh, had toward the very ones who did the terrible things to him. In Genesis chapter 50, you find this. You intended to harm me. Watch this attitude. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. He did not allow what happened to him by his very own brothers to sour his attitude. A great example. Took a really bad situation. And what happens? He turned it into good. What was intended for harm ended up saving lives. People and circumstances do not cause our attitude. Unfortunately, we fall into a trap too often relying on people and circumstances who can and do fail us rather than rely on God who doesn't. I get it that people and circumstances have Watch this. The potential, I understand that, of affecting our attitude. But if I, and if you truly believe in Scripture, I can claim the promise that's found in Romans chapter 8 where it says, now there's a description of a lot of stuff that goes on leading up to this to where Paul says, no, and all these things, all these people, all of these circumstances... In all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, Paul is saying, I am not putting, allowing what's all that's happened to me to affect my attitude. People can't do it. Where I am putting my, my, my uh, faith and my hope is in Jesus Christ. And in him, I am truly a conqueror. I have overcome the mind. Emotional, physical, mental conditions, they may affect your attitude. Your past may affect your attitude. Your family may affect uh, your attitude. But what Paul is saying about here, and he writes about in this beautiful chapter, is that your faith should override and have greater importance to offset all of those other factors in your attitude and your choices because of what Jesus did. It's looking at what he did. Here's another thing about attitude. Your attitude determines the successes and the failures of every relationship in your life. Every one of them. What a difference your attitude makes. It affects the relationships that you have. And sometimes relationships will never get started in the first place because many times your attitude has built up walls making it difficult for people to be around you. You want to thwart potentially good relationships? You put your hand out here and you say, no one's ever going to get closer to, to me than that right there. That's an attitude. This is an attitude. Let me put it this way. This is an attitude that starts right here. So you want to start breaking down and have better relationships? You start putting that hand down. And you start saying, I'm going to have faith in people regardless. And I'm going to do everything I can to have a good attitude so that they, it will cause people to appeal to me, be appealed to me. The thing that makes a bad attitude so destructive is eventually, just like the water does, it starts spilling out. And as it spills out, it starts affecting other people. And people respond to that, and they become destructive actions and or words. 
Numbers 12, 1 through 11, we read about two brothers and a sister. One brother, Moses, had a great attitude. The Bible says that Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. That's a pretty good description to have about yourself. In other words, Moses was teachable. He was cooperative. He treated people as he wanted to be treated, and he lived a life that was properly lined up with the Heavenly Father. But he had a brother by the name of Aaron, and he had a sister by the name of Miriam, on the other hand, who had bad attitudes. And their attitude eventually spills out. Miriam seems to have had the worst attitude, and it affected her brother Aaron. In verse 1 of Numbers 12, we read, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Get the picture? Here they are. Here's a family whom Moses thought he could count on and trust, but they're going around behind his back, criticizing him, stirring up trouble among God's people against the leader, their own brother Moses. You see, most people who stir up trouble do so not out of the right reasons, but most of the time out of bad attitudes. It's an attitude that they have developed because something may have happened in their life or because there's some kind of problem and, and they're reacting to this, and it has nothing to do with all these other people, but as they're reacting to this, they're, they're taking it out on all these other people. That bad attitude comes out, and it starts interfering. And that's what we see happening with this family. Oftentimes, there are things we get, that we criticize and get stirred up about, and that's not the problem at all. The problem really is our own sour, sick, bad attitude. I've seen it. You've seen it. And they have the ability to destroy marriages and families and work environments, church activities. Mark Twain said this, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great people, really great make you feel that you too can become great. Now, wait a minute, Steve, just a second. You just said earlier that people or circumstances don't cause your attitude. Now it seems that you're saying that people can cause you to have a bad attitude. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not. It is true that we can allow negative people to affect our thinking that can in turn have a devastating effect on our attitude. But the choice of whether or not I'm going to allow them to have that effect is mine. I can choose not to pay attention to it. So, were you like me this past Monday? Are you sitting there like me this past Monday? Or maybe is your disposition kind of like mine was this past Monday? He said, man, I, I really do have a bad attitude at times. Oh, it's not all the time. 
But more times than not, it is a bad attitude. And it's affecting my relationships. What do you do about that? Well, the first thing you do is ask God for help. Ask God for help. You know, maybe God needs to reveal to you that you really do have a stinking attitude. Yeah. People have told you this. You, know, you, need to, you need to change your attitude. Well, the best place to go to really get a, 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 a true description of your attitude is to go to God. God, I really want you to tell me, reveal to me if I have a bad attitude. And if I do... Help me with this. Someone once wrote this little prayer. Dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, or selfish. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And that's when I'm going to need a lot of help. Right? <laughs> Life is difficult. We all have problems. We all have battles to fight. And there are times when we just feel overwhelmed and we feel like we're drowning. I get it. I understand. But if you're going to choose a life with a positive attitude, that's when you go to God for help. Chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul tells us to petition God with our request. Bring them before him. Chapter 3, Paul reminds us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's a second thing you can do to overcome a bad attitude start your day off with the right mindset in decision magazine Johnny Erickson Totter writes honesty is always the best policy but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom during a break at a Christian women's conference one woman putting on lipstick said oh Johnny you always look so together so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. Several women who stood around listening to the conversation nodded. How do you do it? She asked as she gapped, capped her lipstick. And Johnny responds, I don't do it. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? This is an average day. I breathe deeply. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. And that's when a friend arrives to get me up. And when I listen to her make coffee, I pray, Oh, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up on my in my chair, brush my hair and my teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. May I have yours, God. I need you desperately. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door? One of them asks. I turn my head toward her, and I give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. And so... I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. I have learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God, and the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover Him to be. And I say amen. amen. Think about the Psalm 118.24. This, we, we sing this in a song. I can't stand the song. But it's a great verse. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice 
You'll be glad in it. Now that song's going to be stuck in my mind all week long. This is the day. This is the day. Here's another great verse. Please, Lord, listen to the desperation. Please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. That's how we can start out our day. It's amazing what can happen in our lives when we're intentional about the way we choose to view life. Everybody faces good days and everybody faces bad days. How we choose to live them makes all the difference. Here's another thing you can do. Focus on the blessings in your life. You know what? Most of us have it pretty good. Just travel through a, to a third world country and you see exactly how good you have it. Most of us have a roof over our heads. We don't like food, water. Why, pastor can even waste some on the stage up here. We've got so much. Basic needs are met. Many of us have exactly what we want. We don't lack for anything. We live in the greatest country in the world. Have friends. Nobody was trying to prevent us from coming in to worship this morning. We could do it without fear. Blessings that we have. And the Bible tells us in those situations, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll slip into a negative attitude. Instead of embracing the amazing life that God has blessed us with, we start thinking about how things could be so much better if somebody or something would happen or get out of our lives. And that has potential of leading into depression. Charles Dickens said, Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has many, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Here's another thing you can do. Do what lifts you up. The worst thing you can do when you've got a bad attitude is keep on dwelling on the bad things that are happening. Instead, focus on what lifts you up. Monday, when I was experiencing this bad attitude, I finally decided, this. I've had enough of this. I'm going to do something about it. So rather than have my wife keep on looking at me as like get over it kind of attitude, you know, I decided I was going to go walk. I haven't walked a while. I need to walk some more because I've been putting on some pounds since heart surgery. And so I decided I'm going to go walk. So I go to Green Hills Mall and I put my AirPods in with noise cancellation so I wouldn't be bothered by anybody else. <laughs> I put my AirPods in, and I put on some Gaither music. And I was walking around the mall, and before I knew it, I was touching everything. I was kind of leading the music as I was walking down. The, everybody looked at me like, what's wrong with that guy? It's like, I didn't care. I quit focusing on what was bad, and I started focusing and praising what was good. Not me, God. 
Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Nothing lifts you up more than going to God when you need Him most. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. If you want to be positive, you want to get things thinking positive, then focus on the things that lift you up. Give those worries to God. Several ways you can do that through prayer. You can listen to some Gaither music, some temporary gospel music. You can listen to a, some other types of hymns. I don't care. You can read your Bible. You can, you can listen to a, 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 an uplifting message, one of mine from the past. Listen to that. Oh, don't laugh, please. Go serve somebody. Do something for someone else. Here's another thing you can do is laugh. Laugh. You know what? We really messed up last week during the worship, you know? It was an off week, I'll tell you. You know, Mike comes up here way too early. I mean, late. And it's like, I don't even know where he was. He's in there. Are you in here today? You know, you didn't even show up today, Mike. I was waiting on you. And Kelly said he'll come in after the second song. Everybody laughed. Everybody got a big laugh. Kelly laughed. He was barely laughing last week. It was good to laugh. I hope we never get to a point of perfection within our worship service that we can't laugh. We need to be able to laugh. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Do the things that make you laugh. Here's the last thing. Ultimately, develop the attitude of Christ. Paul wrote this from a prison cell. He wrote about what the attitude of a follower of Christ should look like. He said, Your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. From a prison cell. Who? You see what he's doing? He's taking, he's taking the attention off of the bad stuff that's all around him. And he's putting it in its proper place of looking to Jesus. Having that attitude, who by being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus maintained a perfect attitude in every situation. How did he do that? He prayed about it. He didn't worry about anything. He took it to God himself. We should seek God's guidance about all parts of our life, every part of it, and allow him to begin to work his perfect will and his plan 
within our life and to trust him when it doesn't seem like it's a good plan. In the midst of the trials, Jesus was patient. In the midst of suffering, he was hopeful. In the midst of blessing, he was humble. Even in the midst of ridicule, abuse, and hostility, he made no threats and did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. The Apostle Paul goes on to write, he says, whatever happens, he's talking to us, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know what? For everybody who's a believer who calls himself a Christian, that's, a, that's directed to us. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Here's a very simple question that I end with this morning. As we've talked about attitude, does your attitude look more like the world or does your attitude look more like Christ? And Father, I pray that as we just take a moment to contemplate that, we allow that question to just run around in our minds for a moment to do some self-evaluation in our relationships, in our homes, in our work, in our social life? Does our attitude look more like the world? Do our actions look more like the world? Do our response look more like the world? Or do they look like Jesus? And I pray, Father, that if we are guilty of resembling more like culture and more like the world that we would fall before you today and ask for forgiveness and ask for your help to help us overcome a negative or a bad attitude and turn it into a positive. Why? It's because we need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of what Jesus has done in our life, that we represent Jesus. And our prayer attitude would reflect that. You're here today and you've got some issues with attitude right now. Right now is a great time just to recognize it. Say, God, I need your help. Too long I've allowed other people to determine my attitude. And this morning I've learned that I'm the one that has control over it. But I struggle with it, so I need your help. Too long I've been stuck in these circumstances that have been bringing me down. And I don't like them, but I've come to realize this morning I can't do anything about them, but how I, how I respond to them. That I can be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Help us to realize that. Help us to really, in a moment as we sing the words to this song, it is well with my soul. That it to be truth because we have a right attitude with Jesus and with you. 
you're here this morning and you need to spend some time here in this altar for any business whatsoever, I invite you to come as we stand and as we sing. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like pray that it is as we trust you and rely on you the moment as we leave this place that we will leave challenged with the right attitude to make a difference in other people's lives so that when they look at us they say walk away with a smile or with a hope maybe even wonder what is it about them that is so different that leads to a, a gospel conversation to share the hope of Jesus to a world that's hurting. May we have a positive influence upon our world. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
May be seated, please. Amen. Hey, we have several things coming up. One thing I want to bring to your attention here is our date night movie night, just for the summer. Um, child care is going to be provided there. That is going to be February the 10th, 7 o'clock. And uh, today's uh, just another day that you can sign up there. Um, I know they are trying to zero in on numbers. So if you're on the fence about this and you think this is something that you uh, would want to uh, be a part of, please sign up today so they can start planning there for that. And uh, also this coming Friday, super excited. Our students, we're going to be going uh, to Winter Jam, something we do every year. And uh, we're, we're stoked about that. We'll be meeting here and riding. And uh, if you have any questions about that, feel free to see me. Ten bands, 15 bucks, best deal in town. And we'll be there on Friday. You missed your opportunity. Um, I heard. You heard already? Heard. You were out there and you heard? My attitude's good and it's going to spill out all over you. <laughs> see, I was, I was, I was, uh, was going to stand there and take it like a champ. Normally, I kind of weave and dodge, but. Thank you, Kelly. As you all know, today is Mike and Rose's last Sunday with us. We've already had a party for them and children's uh, life group this morning. I'm going to ask Mike and Rose to come up here. Is, is, is Rose here? It's okay. She's got the flu. Well, I'm glad she's not here. <laughs> Not really. I'm, I'm sorry she has the flu. That didn't sound good, did it? The boys have it. Okay, she's all right. All right. Mike has um, served us well for the last six years, and as he has talked about, as we have discussed in times past, um, he is um, going to move a little closer to where his parents live. He's taking a church in Illinois. That he'll be children's pastor in and um, so we we want to send you off well and we want to say thank you thanks for for having a great attitude most of the time more than any of the rest of us on staff I don't know about that you did you, sometimes you're the ones that you're the one that brought us back down and to reality to where we looked at you and we saw how you responded to people how you loved people and that is so evident how as to how our church has loved you I was with the uh, lady yesterday and she said oh he's just the best and just goes on and on and and all of those are, are words that are very true we uh, I'm going to give you a chance to to say a word or two if you'd like and then I have a gift I'd like to give to you thank you pastor Steve um, thank you Sunset Hills on behalf of my wife and uh, my boys that you've seen grow and that you have shepherded help shepherd and your prayer and your support we can't thank you enough this will always be our church family when we come back to visit our family here, we hope to pop in uh, and hear. I, I came in back because I wanted to hear my, my pastor preach one more time in person. And uh, it was a message that hit home for me. I'm sure it hit home for a lot of us this morning. Uh, keep the kids' ministry here going. Man, Courtney's awesome with the kids. And I, I know you'll enjoy what the Lord's going to do through her and what the Lord's going to do through the kids here. I see many of the kids that have grown up through our kids' ministry sitting here with us this morning. So amen to that. And amen to Sunset Hills Baptist Church. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you so much for loving us. And thank you, Pastor Kelly and Pastor Steve, uh, for putting up with, with me and uh, my, <laughs> my ineptitude sometimes with the industrial arts. <laughs> but I've hey, learned so much. You gave you know, us good laughs at I times. Gave us good laughs, that's right. I've learned so much here. And 
and uh, I'm going to take it with us. I've got this secret thing with Rose. She's going to keep filming these and sending them to us so that we can see your DIY projects because you're going to have a, a new house. Yeah. And uh, they've been wanting to Pray get a us. new house. Yeah. And uh, so what we wanted to, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make something special for you to go in your new house that you be you and your family be occupying in. I have a... Um, a board, a, a wall art that I have made for you, and I want to tell you the history of this. This wood is out of the old church pews from our, um, from our church years past. And uh, so we put your name and your H on there, and so you are taking a part, you've been a part of the history of our church in recent years, and with this, we hope you display it somewhere in your home, you're taking a part of the history of this church, of how the two of us, uh, our church, and, and how you have worked together to impact people and children for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we hope you take that and enjoy it <clears throat> in your home. And we have something else we'd like to give to you as well. Uh, in this, you'll find just some cash. That will be nice. Thank you. I have something for you. Come here, hey, Mike. Just move. Back here. I want to pray for you. You have blessed us, Father, with a family that has come into our church, into our community, and made a difference, not for himself, not for his wife, Rose, or for his boys, but it's made a difference for you. And we're truly grateful for Mike's ministry. And we pray for his continued ministry. He goes to a place that certainly has a desperate need for boys and girls to become kingdom children that you use him and his family. We trust you. We trust in your plan. We're grateful for Sunset Hills. We're grateful for the work that he's done here and that it will be carried through with volunteers and with Courtney and others as they will just build on what Mike has done. We look forward to great things ahead. Now, Father, go with us that we also would do our best to bring people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Bless you. Folks, I have a, hope you have a great afternoon, a great day today. Uh, wipe your tears before you shake hands with folks because they don't want to shake your wet hands, all right? Have a good afternoon. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer. Hey to 615-776-7000.
1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.